God, don't call it a comeback. Because you know we've been here for years. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the boxing edition as we wake from a two-week slumber to refill that syringe until it's runneth over with the untraceable, unmistakable, performance-enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, yes, in fact, the voice that you hear, but just about ready to tag in my main man, Big Red, to unleash yet another loaded show you simply won't want to miss. Not only will we preview this weekend's action, including the return of the great Senator Manny Pacquiao, we chat with rising lightweight prospect Teofimo Lopez, who fights in that ESPN co-main event on Saturday. We also sit down with lightweight champion Mikey Garcia, who of course returns on July 28th in a unification bout against Robert Easter Jr. Look folks, we got the band back together. We got our instruments ready. So it's time to make that sweet love. I want to enjoy the magic of the instrument, which is my body. Risk. <laughs> oh, yeah. But before we get into all of that, a reminder, if you hear something on the show today that you like. If you see something, say something. Please, you know what to do. Five-star review, Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate, tell us why you like the show. Hey, slide into Rafe Boogs' DMs and feel it around a little bit, all right? Close your eyes and just reach your hands out and see what happens to you. Also, sports fans. You want the best highlights and the biggest stories right in your inbox every morning? You want to wake up under those covers, and before you check out those messy DMs, you want to find out what's going on in the world, you need the CBS Sports HQ newsletter packed with all the good stuff you need before you start your day. Hey, you can get fight updates from BC, video stories, all that good stuff. Go to cbssports.com forward slash HQ daily to subscribe. But with all the business and the shilling out of the way, it's time to make that magic with the internationally renowned author, editor, Filipino TV icon, yes, and respecter of all things cruiserweights. Big Red is back on the correct coast. The native New Yorker returns home. How is it, my man? I am Phil, Brian. I'm very Phil. I'm very Phil today. Feels good. No, let's do it. Uh, Rafe, we haven't talked about boxing in like two, three weeks. People are upset. People are sliding in with anger. Uh, we, we apparently missed some big stories we didn't get to. Uh, how have you been holding yourself down? I know the Respect Box newsletter has been finding our inboxes every Friday-ish, but, uh, how's life? What's happening? Pretty good. I have missed the opportunity to talk boxing, respect boxing with you. Uh, but, you know, this happens. It's, it's July, man. It's slow. It's slow. Yes. There is some news. It hasn't been really big news. We missed we didn't get to talk about one really fun fight in the in the interim, right? We missed the Lenny Z uh oh, yeah. Salcedo War, that top rank fight. That was a lot of fun, but you know, that's not that's like a nice little summer treat. That's a little ice cream cone for us. But it's not that important. You know, it's summertime. Let's all chill out. I'm not a I'm not even a soccer fan, but I'm enjoying the World oh, Cup. Wow, it ain't that, it ain't that it ain't that serious, you know. Let's let's I respect boxing, but I also respect the the summer, the, you know, the kids getting out there, enjoying the sun, doing something other than watching sweaty men, you know, be warriors and make us feel like less of a men ourselves. True or false, though, before we get into boxing, you grew up in New York City. Was your childhood the exact same replica of Lenny's in the movie Kids? <laughs> oh, my God. I um, I have 
friends of friends of some of those kids. Um, wow. his name was Telly. Telly, in, Telly, what did I say? His Lenny? name was Telly oh, and Telly. Kids. Leo I blew Fitzpatrick. the joke. I blew um, the damn I had, joke because, you know, what I have. No panache. All right, back to you. <laughs> uh, a girl I went, I grew up with, elementary school and some of high school, and I'm still friends with today, I believe may have gone to a prom with one of the kid, like wow. kids in that movie, one of like the little Supreme skater dudes. This is when Supreme wasn't even a, a stupid hype beast fashion stupid thing. I don't even know what it is now. Um, but yeah, so so I am in some respects like a a real New Yorker, but I was not nearly that cool. I was not, you know, doing I wasn't I wasn't as into drugs and alcohol as I am today, so I'm cool now. But as a as a high school kid, uh I was I was very clean cut because I thought I was going to be the next Chris Weber. And uh, yes. I, yeah, I should have been hanging out with Telly, maybe not getting uh the HIV virus, but wow, you went, you went all the you, way there. I didn't think you were going to go the full distance there, but wow. Everyone knows what that movie's about. That movie's about lip to the cup, right? Toy, there's a long way from the lip to the cup. I'm sure you don't understand what that means. Neither do I. But hey, all right. Now let's get into life and boxing. Rafe, I want to ask you uh, real quick because you are a boxing fan. You get it. You understand it. I can hear Jimmy. Yes, you can hear Jimmy. Um, was Saucedo Lenny Z? A fight of the year contender, as as Joe Tess would like to invade your eardrums and in your soul and tell you that it was the best fight that was ever aired on ESPN. Was it in fact a FOY? Well, this is ESPN. Decades of Friday night fights, so much to look at there, and I you someone could correct me. I can't remember. You may remember, Brian. Was Joe Tess calling that original? Uh, Delvin Rodriguez, uh, Pavel Woldzlock. Yes. War, where Woldzlock head blew up in the craziest football shaped hematoma. I mean, that was, that was, he's seen these fight of the year contenders before. And I do, I think it's fair to call, uh, Sacedo, Zapavigna, uh, a, a, a fight of the year contender or maybe honorable mention type thing. It was, and the fourth round, a Strong contender for, for round of the year, I think. But fight of the year, I felt it was a little out, outside of that fourth round, uh, which man, Salcedo surviving really is amazing. Uh, and without even going down, but outside of that fourth round was, was really Salcedo, uh, controlling the fight and, and Zapovinia being extremely tough, but not, not doing a whole lot to make it the the back and forth the the momentum swings the it had that one huge swing and it was it was a incredible what like I felt like to to get a little old school wrestling on you not super old school but you know I was like what a rush oh, wow. you know what I mean the little, little road warriors right there yeah, yeah, what I, a rush at any point were you afraid that Lenny Z was going to and then, did you have any fear at any point? Because I, it is load watch season. It's 2018 for our, for our listeners out there. No, no. I think. Well, I think Lenny Z kind of, you know, s his L, and uh, he was on load watch in that fourth round. He really he emptied the tank there, and he should have. I mean, that, that was his, was last his fight. best chance. Did, didn't he retire that was, after that? Yeah, and that was his best chance to win that fight. Wow. Uh, he he had, yeah. I, I mean, he had Salcedo hurt bad real bad and and he emptied the tank and and really landed a ton of shots that made you think he might actually pull it off but props to Sacedo man he hung in there uh and, and then 
recovered really fast and, yeah. and basically started taking over the fight again in the next round. Didn't even take off too much of the next round. And I think uh, Zepovinia, having shot his load just a little bit already, uh, right. allowed Salcedo to get the to, to recover a little bit. Wow. All right. This uh, past weekend in boxing, um, so there's this man, my Lithuanian brethren, known as the Mean Machine. So apparently, you know, to do because you know it's Coach Shashevsky, even though it looks like Krezichetchewitz. Uh, his name is Igis Kavayowskis, even though it looks like Edjujus Christ Kavaliuskis Marshalunis Sabonis. But the Mean Machine. Defeated Juan Carlos Abreu on ESPN via unanimous decision 12. This was, of course, was supposed to be a title defense for, uh, is it Jose Ramirez, the welterweight titleist against Danny O'Connor of, uh, promoted by the dropkick Murphy's guy, Ken Casey. Unfortunately for Danny, we wish him well. He did have to pull out of that fight with a really tough, uh, near kidney failure weight cut. This became your new main event. The real question here is did Egus, the mean machine, Impressed you enough with this unanimous decision on scores of 96-94 and 97-93 twice to make you believe he's a player at 47 and that he may be ready for Bud because that's a thin welterweight cupboard in the top rank house right now. As you know that Bob's got a lot of drawers full, right? That green drawer with, with the, with the meds. That's full. That's with the medicals. He's ready. He's ready. Like in the orgy. Never screwed so many women in one night. But is Egus ready for Crawford? No, Brian. No effing chance. Um, I'm afraid it's too bad. I, I this is a guy because he had that inc- crazy name. Uh, you know, you saw him on undercards every once in a while. He was a mainstay of the the prospect list, Dan Rayfield's annual list of the top twenty five or fifty or five thousand prospects. <laughs> sure, if you if you subscribe fully to ESPN Insider and Plus and Triple Plus A minus seventy five, you would even on the Ocho, you even might find Dan's top seven thousand uh pro you know prospect list. But no, I mean this guy I've been reading about and sort of keeping half an eye on for for several years and thinking kind of buying into the hype just because i i don't know i like these sort of obscure parts unknown even though i'm familiar with lithuania from basketball kind of these these sort of guys who come out of nowhere places we don't know as much about i i get excited over those guys and want them to be awesome you know and uh kind of reminds me of loving triple g early um but no nah, i didn't see it in this guy this time i, I don't I'm, yeah. I'm ready i don't i'm not gonna jump on this train I think it's okay to feed him to Crawford if they got nobody else, but that's all it is. <clears throat> wow, wow, Peter Brady, you're right there. Uh, so ba- basically he didn't look the part. He looked okay, but I mean, look, you're going to have to look really good to, for somebody to say you're ready for Bud, but I didn't even think he looked a little good to be ready for Bud. This was a close fight. So this Juan Carlos Abreu guy from the Dominican, I thought it was going to be the other Abreu, the guy that uh, Saddam Ali sent to hell, the guy that gave Tim Bradley that good fight like a decade ago. What was that guy's name? Uh, that was Abregu. Abregu. So the whole time, I thought it was Abregu, and I was excited for this fight. I'm like, that's my guy. Let's see if he's still got it, or if he's well, swimming deep in them washed oceans. It wasn't that guy, anyway. Well, but Abregu, he right, he made his his rep off of being the kind of the first man to expose Thomas Delorme's lack of a yes, chin. You yes. know, it that was, was the, he was getting killed in that fight, and then all of a sudden, bah, you know, it was like he 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 found the the weakness there in our guy Delorme. I, and, uh, 
from there, we gave him more credit because Delorme was a hot prospect at the at the time. And in retrospect, maybe that win was not as good as it looked. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, so after the fight, Egus said, you know, not my best performance. And then Kriegel, Kriegel, Mark Kriegel did not bring up the connection between Igus Kaviauskas and his father or the connection between Igus Kaviauskas and Igus Klemis, manager Sergei Kovalev. But he did say this, quote, Igus won the fight, but he failed to do what he set out, which is change the landscape of the 147-pound division. I don't even think he changed the landscape of his own household and his own <laughs> bank account, but that's what it was. You'll probably see him against Crawford. You want to know why, Rafe? Because there's nobody else for you to see against Crawford unless they can get Eddie Hearn to make a con deal and make it worth it and whatever. Or maybe A.B. Maybe one day Al's going to cash out A.B., right? Yeah, he's been trying. It's just A.B.'s just keeps pooping out so much cash that, that every time he loses, he still makes money. Good for him. You know, I'm happy that that, you know, hey, if Broner gets to extend his career that way, great. Yeah, well, you know, you know how he was made, right? They got everybody that's wrong with boxing together in one room, did everything that's wrong with boxing in that room, and gave birth to Adrian Broner. What's uh, going we, on right now? Yeah, that's what's going He's on. Gotta- All right, right, Polly, enough. Like, re- like, seriously, relax, bro. Shut up! Shut up! Yo, 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 relax, relax, you know what I mean? And then shout okay, out. okay. Uh, Josh Taylor, your guy. This is like the new Rafe, the guy that make Rafe all fired up. Uh, defeated Victor Postal in Scotland, was it? Wales? In Scotland, at home, yes. That, 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 that helps explain, uh, some of the, the scorecards in that yes. close, very, very close fight that Taylor pretty much just nicked in an impressive performance. A couple but, weeks uh, ago, but did you get the, outside of the bad scorecards, because Postal made that a close fight, made that a tough fight. This is a big win for Taylor. Were you impressed enough that he's a real player? Not a fake UK player that's gonna get his soul taken the moment he steps off the plane in Vegas one day. Do you think this guy JT is, is the future? The future, the future is, it, it, it's a, it's hard to say that, but yes, I thought it was super impressive. I think he is a real player. I think Postol might be the next best. He will, and we're going to see because Taylor has already announced he's joining the world boxing super series yes. junior welterweight tournament that's coming up in season two. Uh, and, uh, with lots extra Cal Sauerland, hopefully. Uh, but Taylor is going to be in that. And he's going to face a lot of the other best guys at 140 pounds. And I think he already may have beaten the other best guy at 140 pounds. Wow. And this is his chance to go sort of cut through that and make make a Usyk type or I shouldn't say Usyk type because I don't know if Usyk is going to beat my man Murat Gassiev in a couple of weeks. But have that kind of run and all of a sudden in a year establish himself as the guy at that division. And you see how tall he was? He was as tall as Postol. He would not have a lot of trouble getting up to 147 when the time is right and the money is right. And would he be – did did he look like – look, we saw what Terrence Crawford did to Victor Postol. We saw how Josh Taylor beat him. Now Taylor is much younger, less seasoned, uh, has room to grow. But did he look like a guy who would eventually be really able to compete with Terrence Crawford? I don't even know how many guys on the planet fit that description. And I wouldn't say that yet. Errol Spence. That's the only man. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say that yet about Josh Taylor, but he looks like a championship level fighter. Def, he already, you know, he already is that level fighter at 140. He looks like he could even be that with the cream of the welterweight division. All right. But the thing is though, in his favor, is this 140 division is like, I know there's going to be hardcores that are more hardcore than me going, Campbell, that's the worst statement you ever made, but this is a trash, empty 
barren division right now. In fact, I have Dan Rayfield's 140-pound rankings in front of me, his top 10. I guarantee you can't name two names in the top five before you get four wrong. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, in the top five? At 140. Let's go. Uh, Maurice Hooker? Uh, number 10. Oh, 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 how how dare he? How dare he? Um, oh, shoot, I I know I know who's in the tournament. That's just you're putting me on the spot, man. Don't I'm not, you're not going under pressure. Right? Don't don't. Yeah, I don't think you're going to do it. I think it's going to be a series of. You better just give up now. You ready for this? I'll give up. Let's 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 keep it moving. Number I can't one do ranked one forty in the world according to Dan Rayfield's. The man we'll see this weekend. Your boy Rougarou, Regis Progre. Okay. Oh yeah, of course. Jose Ramirez, number two. I incorrectly said get he was that a get get titleist. stop uh, stop that crap. Anyway. Uh, number three, Edward Troyanovsky, which is apparently not. I, yeah, I, that, okay. I don't know if I agree with these rankings. Like Troy, Troy I, I guess Troyanovsky has won a few fights after getting one punched by by Julius and Dongo. Come on, right in the Dan. dong. Wow, uh, Antonio Orozco, number four. Really? That guy can't even make weight to fight Humberto Soto. He no, he did fight Soto. It didn't look good, and got to get any. Oh yeah, I don't know about number these rankings. Five. There's better fighters deeper in those those rankings. Wow, deeper. Uh, number five, Carol Relic, the guy that uh, didn't he beat Bel- Bar- Bartolome? Uh, yeah, I I haven't watched him as much. Uh, I know he's a puncher. I know that our guy Adam Abramowitz, SN Boxing, is is pretty high on him, and and. Adam takes boxing really seriously, and sometimes we 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 sort of you know po- we, us clowns kind of mess with him over that. But he knows his stuff. Uh, by the way, Trayanovsky will be fighting Relic soon. TBA. Your Orozco is going to fight Pablo Cesar Cano on August third. I'll get I'll get in on that fight. Uh, the rest of your top ten: Josh Taylor, Sergey Lipinets, Francis with Wolves, Victor Postal, Maurice Hooker. Anyway, let's get out of that. I don't want to be in that anymore. I want to move on to this. Both Orlando Salido and Eric Morales, my campeon, did they like win public office or something in Mexico over the past couple weeks? What what headlines were I? I'm always on boxing scene looking for hooker headlines, but what what did I miss here? They sure did, man, and I'm I can't be any more happy about it. I mean, I think it's local office. I think Mor- Morales may have won something in in a legislative uh, position, uh, a, a national legislative position. Salido, I think, was running for, you know, region, state, local office. But still, hey, I was impressed because we saw a few weeks or a few months ago, Salido got caught up in that vicious propaganda mission against him to to frame him up for stealing a six-pack of beer from a <laughs> convenience store. And also, look, if you're Orlando Salido and you want to walk out of a convenience store with a six-pack, good for him. I would vote for that, man, for that reason Alone, even though I'd also want to vote for him for all the time, all the things he did to Wanma and all the, you know, all, you know the only, I mean, I don't know if Orlando, if our guy, um, is it Orlando Cruz, uh, from, yes, uh, yes. Puerto Rico, he's not voting for, well, he doesn't get a vote in Mexico, but yeah, Salido, good for him, good for, that's awesome. All right. Well, Until uh, they actually start doing political things like <laughs> our Senador Manny Pacquiao. Yes. And it becomes less awesome. Hey, but I'm, right now, I'm, let's be happy. Salito's my favorite fighter that doesn't get the respect. He's the Mexican Arturo Gatti, and you know that Morales is my campeon. It was on. Did you like that? I love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gracias. 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 That, of course, after the 12th round against Manny when he went southpaw for no reason because his cojones are so damn large. Rafe, this past week, uh Triple G and Canelo not doing any media ahead of fight week because it's Canelo's choice because he's an absolute diva.
But they did this Facebook Live hostage video, which was horrific, where each camp sat in a room, one in Mexico, the other in Southern in – at, at Abel's gym there in Big Bear. And they did like a press conference with some guy from ESPN Deportes moderating who was way too excited. And both looked like they were sleeping and staring at the floor, and we got nothing out of it. And uh that's our hype for the fight, Rafe. I will say this. I was at UFC 226 in Vegas over the weekend, and Gennady showed up. They did a media luncheon at the MGM Grand. Gennady went to the fight, was doing interviews with MMA journalists. The biggest headlines that came out of there is he has no respect for Canelo. He told the commission before the first fight that Canelo had injection marks, and he says they didn't do anything about it. And he says... Canelo won't do any media before the fight because he doesn't have the courage to face the big questions. There's nothing really to talk about with this fight until it actually happens, right? That's basically true, yeah. Although you know who's not going to stop talking about it, apparently? Our guy, Abel Sanchez. Yes. I don't know how I feel about this, Brian. I we He was, I think, perhaps our first live interview or second live interview on the old Grantland The Ropes yes. podcast. And we were ecstatic. He came on, talked smack about Sergey Kovalev, questioned his character, basically did what we now understand to be the Abel Sanchez routine about anyone he's not training. Uh, and that's the thing. I, and it sort of reminds me of, of the, what happened with Freddie Roach over the years where at the beginning, when, when you were, so he's first, the, the beginning of the Pacquiao rise to, to, to prominence, you love to hear from Freddie. He was a great quote. He would say fun stuff. He, you know, he was a great part of the whole circus. And, he can and, handle his speed, son. <laughs> and uh, and and the same with Abel. I I I really liked all the stuff he had to say the first few times I had got to hear it. But then they have to, and look, that's the fight game. You got to promote fights. You got to come out. Somebody has to talk. And if Triple G doesn't say anything other than big gift to people and respect box and drama show, uh, Abel's got to uh, go ahead. Oh, that one is great. But, uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Abel's gotta say something. So Abel's out here doing his best to promote the fight, create some talking points, but God, it's annoying. And you, and the problem is you can't take him seriously anymore. Now, anytime I see Abel Sanchez in a headline, I just, my, I just roll my eyes. He's about a great what is quote, he gonna make up now? But he's becoming a little bit of a media whore. And I saw that at the luncheon and I love Abel, but like he did every possible interview he could for like long stretches. And they now are pairing Gennady with this, uh, this Russian translator guy, because they're thinking it's going to get better, better interviews out of him. But I know I said this before on this show. They're not better. <laughs> they're not better in Russian. It's still, I understand the situation. I respect his opponent. You know, I like it. I like it. You too. I, <laughs> what, I what if they, what if they just went totally gonzo and brought back Ray Torres? It's, I hope Ray Torres is oh, alive. Yes. Uh, I hope they went and brought back Ray Torres and just let him say stuff for Gennady. Come on, let me let me put some water on your ball. Uh, Rafe, nothing more to say about that. Uh, look, who I have cares one that thing, they're not going to talk? I want to see the fight. Everybody wants to see the fight. It's going to be a great fight. I like angry Gennady, but there's no, no nothing's one, happening here. Let's. I want to remind you of something. If you remember before the May date when they were starting to begin the hype train for this fight, they had their little press conference in L.A. They started doing interviews. Forget which podcast it was on. Maybe Chris Mannix on Yahoo or or the HBO Boxing Podcast. Maybe both. Max Kellerman came on to those podcasts to start talking about the fight, talking up. And he said that they recorded a face-off already for that fight. And he was talking about how – 
he it revealed new things about Golovkin that he was expect. Golovkin was more thoughtful, more surprisingly honest and introspective and and open to it sounded like he was saying Golovkin was was discussing his own vulnerability in ways that we would never expect him to discuss. HBO, I call on you. Release yes. the tapes. This Give us like the face off. After Tupac dies, they just keep finding more albums deep in there. One day this this thing will emerge, right? Like 20 years from now, it's going to be awesome. Why not? I'm sure there's nothing wrong. I mean, it, it, it will be a little dated. It'll be a little weird that, that Canelo doesn't have to face any questions about clenbuterol and PEDs. Uh, it won't quite make sense, but run it with a disclaimer. Let it, if it's that good, if it was that good to begin with, it won't be much worse now. Let's Dude, see it. HBO's I want to see it. Mess. Um, no, HBO's a mess. Did you see that, the, the, the poster, by the way? I was underwhelmed by the Triple G Canelo 2 poster. It's basically the first poster with a giant deuce over it. And that's kind of what I thought about it. I don't know. I want, yeah, you could take a giant deuce oh, over that poster. Why Look, am I saying something s- negative? I love this fight. I'm not saying anything negative anymore because you know what I actually really love. I love me some Saul Canelo Alvarez. So I am ready for this fight. Rafe, do you know a fight will not happen in 2018? Is Anthony I'm- Joshua, <laughs> Deontay Wilder. It fell apart like we expected it would because Eddie Hearn had to be Eddie Hearn, right? I mean, that's just what Eddie Hearn does. He's, he's Eddie Hearn going to Eddie Hearn. And from the beginning, I didn't think Eddie Hearn was going to do this fight. And it turned out to be true. But Deontay came back on Brendan Schaub's Below the Belt, the the Showtime produced show, and said, all right, you don't want to do this now? Well, we're going to do it in April, and I'm only doing it for 50-50. Like, what are you, Gennady? Dude, you're not doing the fight. Like, what is happening here? Yeah, I don't know if, if, but he has to be careful because right now Wilder has, I think, at least on this side of the pond, I'd be curious if, if some of our... British boxing fans, our UK fans, uh, want to slide in those DMs and tell us, uh, what it's, what it's, how the, how it's being interpreted over there. On this side of the pond, Wilder's winning the PR battle here. People generally accept the narrative that Joshua doesn't want to fight him now, maybe doesn't want to fight him that much at all. I don't think that's true. I think it's just regular negotiation BS that we see in yes. boxing all the time. But, People are, are into that narrative. And if Wilder sticks to that kind of impossible 50-50 split for a guy who you know, doesn't make jack poop over here compared to what Anthony Joshua is in the UK, uh, it, that, that narrative could turn right around on Wilder yeah. and it could become, look, he's making this unreasonable demand. That means he doesn't want to fight. So look, look guys, we all want the fight. Make the fight in April. The dates are booked at Wembley. We know that. Let's do this. This is not cool. This is not what the public and the market audience want to see. Well, I don't know about that. But I, I, it was interesting that Deontay went that way, went the 50-50 way. I thought he was going to go the Tyson Fury way. He should have just challenged him like a man. But if you're serious about fighting me, I'll fight you out here for free. Boom. If he was a real g- gypsy, if he had that kind of toughness, he would say it's not about the money. It's not about the 50-50. I will fight you for free because that's what John Fury would do, his dad, right? I'm telling the truth. I won't back down from what I say from no man or kiss no man's ass. Me ever. He won't kiss a man's ass, but his son, though, will. will. I do stuff that people don't do in boxing. When have you ever seen two men face to face before they fight and the other man kiss him on the lips? All right, we're going in the wrong direction. Um, so, the, I, yeah, we'll see that someday. We'll see it next year. Whatever. I just hope they don't lose in between. We all know that. But no one actually believed Eddie Hearn was really going to do this, Rafe. So, apparently Eddie's got a big announcement this week, by the way. He's going to finally release the where the where all that DAZN money went to. Which fighter's pockets 
are going to get that DAZN cash. Who signed the contracts and in what McDonald's were they yes. signed, Eddie? I want photo Who evidence. Who just signed it at McDonald's? Somebody just did. Was it Better uh, Beef? Yes. Uh, signed a con- I couldn't tell if it was in a McDonald's, but he was definitely, you could see the fast food menu behind him, uh, behind his Formica plastic table that he wow. was sitting on to sign a contract to fight the one of one of Eddie Hearn's guys. Yeah. All right. Uh, in the news this week, 44 year old Juan Manuel Marquez rejected the rumors that he was on the verge of accepting a huge multi-million dollar offer to fight Manny Pacquiao for the fifth time. Quote, I won't fight with Pacquiao. They are saying on the networks that there is $60 million to do a fifth fight. But even if there was $100 million, I wouldn't do it. End quote. Not surprised by it, Rafe, but it still breaks my heart. Come on, do the damn fifth fight already. It's the only fight I want. It's all I ever need in life. And they're so extra washed right now that it would be even better. Yeah, I'm with you, but I'm, I'm disappointed. I understand where Marquez is coming from and it fits with what we know about his character. This is who he is. He is that guy. He's, he always had that arrogance. He know in his heart, he won all, all of those fights like nine to three, you know, it wasn't even close. Uh, and, and he, and he's a great, great fighter. Um, but he's just such a stubborn prick about this. And it, it's a bummer as a fan. It's also what makes me love him a little bit. But yeah, it sucks. Like, I do think, I think I, I, I have, I'm optimistic that like it could be just a true disaster, like Mosley Mayorga 2 style wash first. fight. In the, in the deep, in the far future, like, like five, ten years oh, from now, man. they'll run it back in the sloppiest way possible because both guys have been out of the game for a while. Like when Sugar Ray and Leonard fucked Camacho like, and got sent to hell that time, like when he's like 40. <laughs> well, I don't know who sends who to hell when, when washed Manny and, and one, and one Manuel Marquez fight. Oh, God. If I'm in Marquez, if I'm, uh, your guy Nacho, I call up Marcus. I say, put your hand in clitoris. The gloves have, uh, that I use in clitoris. Is- because just do it. Just uh, sign the money, do it, win, whatever. All right, moving on. Robert what if, e- what if, you know, what if they, what if that's the, the, the narrative? They do it for Nacho and Freddy. Nacho and Freddy have fallen on hard times. Oh, wow. And they have no interest in fighting each other, but they know this is the best way to, to, to pay it back. To the guys who who helped them so much over the course of their careers, gave so much of their yeah, lives to making them champions. Did you read that LA Times piece by Lance Pugmire that made it seem like Freddie Roach's life is falling apart and nobody wants to come to the gym? It was a good. Piece. I did. I. It was a really good piece he did. And Freddie was was very reticent. I know because I had tried to talk to him a little bit about the the, the Matisse fight, and he was very reticent uh, about doing any press at all. So great reporting by Pugmire. Good quotes. I I kind of felt. The, the story overstated how, how deep of the hard times Freddie has fallen on. I mean, you know, his, he had a, a, like a decade plus long run, 15 year run with one of the greatest fighters of all time. That, you don't need anything after that anyway. He's had TV shows about him. Peter Berg loves him. He's, he's fine. And so what? I don't care about Jose Ramirez going to train with, 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 with Robert Garcia. Like, Freddie is fine. I he's fine, and I and I really respect how he's handling the Pacquiao situation as well. He's with a, a, so much dignity. Freddie's a great guy. Good for good for him. And Manny's doing all right with it too. Wow! Wow! It is hot. Wow! It is good. Going back. You're excited. <laughs> no. All right. Uh, Robert Easter Jr., the IBF 135 pound titleist, told Boxing Scene that the July 28th unification fight with Mikey Garcia will be, quote, easy work and an easy win, end quote. Wow. Right? It's a hot you take. never know. I mean, 
we were all pretty high on Robert Garcia and uh, Robert Garcia, Robert Easter. I'm on, I am still high on Robert Garcia. Um, we were all pretty high on Robert Easter until it seemed like he struggled a little bit with Javier Fortuna in that weird fight where Fortuna would came in heavy and we haven't, we haven't thought much of Fortuna in a very long time. So I don't know. Uh, Rafe, I he, don't want to hear your opinion. I want to hear Mikey Garcia's opinion on it. And Rafe, we happen to have the exclusive with Mikey ooh. Garcia where we're going to ask him right now. I mean, the only place where you can get these type of exclusives is in this corner. You're smiling. You're like, you're, you're, you're so horny that you've got the exclusive, aren't you? You're uh, like, you can't believe you're here ready for this. The views this is going to do. The ad revenue this is going to create for your future. Well, yeah. So let's do it. Enjoy. Uh, hey, July 28th, Los Angeles, showtime. Robert Easter Jr., lightweight unification. You got me fired up for this one, Mikey Garcia. <laughs> now you're a poised dude. I don't, I don't ever see you getting emotional. You as excited as I am for this one or what? I think you might be a little more excited than I am. <laughs> no, look, I, I do get emotional. I do get excited. I just, you know, I have different ways of, of handling it and, and showing it, but, uh, definitely excited to be here in LA and, and having this title unification match. You know, it, it means a lot to me in my career, so I'm definitely happy with it. All right, recent headlines, Mikey. Robert Easter Jr. tells boxing scene, Mikey Garcia, easy fight, easy win. End quote. Your thoughts? Uh, that's, that's terrific because it uh, shows confidence in his end and tells me he's going to come in strong looking for the win, which only means, you know, we're going to have a great matchup, a great exciting fight for the fans, and that's what I'm here to do. I don't want to... Uh, you know, I have any excuses. I don't want anybody to come in the ring and say that they weren't ready or they weren't motivated or whatever. You know, I want the best Robert Easter uh, available, and that's who I expect on fight night. You know, we talked about your poise. You're calm. You're like a – in a good way, you're like a robot in there. Like, it doesn't seem like anything affects you. I can't remember a time where I've seen you in a fight in trouble to the point where I'm like, is Mikey going to fold? So that's a strength, Mikey, but – where does that come from? I, I mean, if I'm going to guess, if I'm going to answer for you, does it come from watching and growing up in the business where it's natural to you? Where does just that, like, oh, ho-hum, this is another thing. I happen to box. Not a big deal. Where does that come from? Well, I think I think you're right. Part of that is because I grew up in the sport. I grew, I grew up in the field of boxing and, and uh, just watching my brother and watching Vargas and being part of their careers, you know, has helped me you know, understand it better and and kind of uh, not be intimidated or, or feel pressure when I'm in it. Um, but I, I also, just as a person, I think I'm a pretty chill, mellow dude and just kind of hang out and nothing, nothing surprises me. Uh, I don't, you know, feel any pressure at any point during my fight. So I always keep the, the same demeanor, the same attitude. All right, Mike. Well, if we can look back, Mike, if we can look back in hindsight, now that you're 38 fights into your career is there one opponent where they got to you a bit either by making you really angry by by trash talking or maybe even by intimidating you where you showed a great poker hand but now you can look back and be like yeah that guy i was a little nervous i'm uh, not quite exactly like that but um just in my last fight with uh sergey Lipinitz, um the moment that i dropped him we both exchanged hooks and um he connected a, a left hook also to, to temple my my head and I landed on the chin and he went down. But as I'm walking away, you know, I, I look back and he's getting up and I'm like, man, you know, good thing I dropped him because he landed a good shot and actually, you know, I felt the the power, I felt the shot. So 
I didn't, I didn't show, you know, any signs of being hurt. I didn't, I didn't show any, any worriness either, but you know, you do got to respect the power. So I fought, you know, still smart. I fought careful and, and patiently, but uh, that, that was a hard shot that, that he landed and I just had to kind of, you know, yeah, I mean, I wanted to bring up that fight because I thought it was a really strong performance from you against a really determined guy. But, Mikey, you know haters are going to hate. There was a lot of people that was like, no, Mike, Mikey got exposed. He can't go up anymore and wait. He showed this or that. I mean, did you hear that stuff too? And if, if, if the people don't believe me, that's, that's fine by me because I will uh, show them that I'm a better fighter every fight and I just won't lose, you know, and the big fights will always bring out the best out of me, and I don't know why they would feel that I was exposed. I mean, I well, take care of business. You did, I guess. But here's, he did, they he think... did get hit a few a few times. I mean, we're already in a fight, and he's he's a, a, a world champion, undefeated champion. He didn't want to let that belt go easy, so he's definitely going to fight back. I mean, yeah, not every night is going to be an easy wipeout. I guess people said after that, they said, hey, great win by Mikey, but I don't know if he should go above 140. I mean, <laughs> what do you say to that, essentially? Well, that's, that's kind of what motivates me and excites me the most, to do it, to prove them wrong and to prove to everybody, you know, that I'm not just, you know, a fighter with, with you know, with certain skills. I can do a lot. I can either use, you know, boxing IQ, you know, ring generalship. I can counterpunch. I can, you know, fight on the inside. I can move up in weight and compete with, you know, stronger, bigger men and, you know, find a way to win. So that, like I said, when they doubt me, that motivates me more. All right. I love that confidence. I love that answer because you're, you, you're a confident guy. You bring it. You've been so confident that I've heard the, the three words, Errol Spence Jr., come out of your mouth a few times. And for the first time, people were starting to go, did Mikey really say that? Is he? This is dare to be great stuff, but is he serious? Mikey, are you serious? I am. I'm very serious. You know, after this fight, I think that's the only fight that excites me. And it's mainly for that reason. Like I say, everybody's doubting. Everybody's not taking it serious. Everybody thinks I'm just, you know, playing or joking and, and not, not real serious about it. But I definitely would love the opportunity to move up to 147 and challenge Daryl Spence for his title. I think it'd be a great matchup. I think it, it could be, you know, one of those fights that people will talk for, for the ages and, you know, he is top dog right now, top champion at 147. So who else would I go after? I got to go after the big names. I got to go after the, the champions who excite me the most, and he's, he's the one. I mean, look, you win that fight, you're the best fighter in the world. I could get why it, it motivates you, and I, and I respect and love that it motivates you. What would you say if somebody said, do you like that fight better than Lomachenko? And if you do, why? Well, I think Lomachenko is an easier fight for me. Um, so I would rather take on a more difficult fight um but after Errol Spence I'd welcome Lomachenko at 135 you know and then I'd meet him there again I just want the opportunity to show everybody you know that I'm not here you know just wrecking up wins over nobodies I'm beating champions I'm taking on the big tests big fights big challenges and and the biggest challenge available is just who I'm gonna go after all right. Well, I can't, I, what can I say to that? That's fantastic. Uh, you did have that moment that was captured on a few people's cameras when you saw Loma. I believe it was at the ESPN studios. And you guys were friendly. You talked. But I'm sure you're fighters. You're sizing each other up. What did you learn about him spending time with him when you're you're doing that manly thing? You're looking at his frame. You're sort of looking in his eyes. What would you take from that? Uh, no, I'm, I'm 
just, you know, I'm there to you know, do my own media, and he's there doing his own media coverage for his fight. So we happen to run with each other, you know, run into each other. And, and uh, that was my first time meeting him. Um, he actually looked and said that I wasn't as big as, you know, he thought. But, I mean, I could tell, you know, there is a size difference. I'm a naturally bigger guy than he is. Even though we both started at featherweight, you know, we both started at the same division, but um, naturally I am a little bit bigger than he is. So that advantage is there. But uh, he's also the kind of guy that doesn't really use the size over his opponents as much. He uses, you know, nimbleness and footwork and speed, agility. So size may not be the, the only thing that, that that affects a fight between him and I. I mean, I got to work on, on other things other than size. I got to be sharp. I got to be quick because he's going to be very quick if we ever do get in the ring. Uh, you've made that public decision when you had the two belts to, to stay at lightweight for now, to go that direction. Uh, is this a hard wake up for you or is this still something that's not an issue at all? No, it's not, not an issue, but I wanted to come down to lightweight and unify the titles. That was the best option for me right now. Uh, it's a fight that excites me the most. You know, an opportunity to unify the division is, is, is great for me and my career. At 140, there was not a whole lot going on right now that excited me. So that's why we decided to come back to lightweight. Yeah, I don't blame you. 140, little empty at the moment. No disrespect to those guys. Not a lot of sexy names, though. But speaking of sexiness and being pursued, Mikey, you're like the, the hot chick at the prom at the moment because every promoter wants you. I'm reading reports that Dana White's meeting with you. Uh, Eddie Hearn's opening up his war chest and saying, hey, Mikey, jump on in. Tell me about this recruitment. What's this like? You're getting wined and dined, people slipping 50s in your hand. <laughs> you open up a room and there's women laying on a waterbed. What's what's this like here? Uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's exciting that, that I'm in a position right now to entertain you know offers and, and, and discussions like that, business proposals. But uh, no one's uh, writing up any any large checks yet, so can't get too excited. Um, we we hope we can you know maybe get something in the in, in the near future with any of these guys, and and if we can work something out, you know, great. You know, I'm I'm willing to like I said sit down and discuss any you know possibilities. But uh, until until then, um, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. I'm a free agent. And uh, I can I'm really, you know, take my career any path I want, any path I choose. So I'm really, really happy with the way things are going for me. I'm happy just to be in this position. But um, I'm not refusing any offers either. You know, I can entertain. I can offer. I can, you know, look at an offer or, or a proposal and just to have that discussion with any of these men. That's what I'm, I've been doing. Um, I'm not saying I'm not willing to work with anybody. But it has to be something that really excites me or else I'm not going to sign with anybody. I'll keep doing what I'm doing on my own. Well, you got the power right now, which is great. You know, very few fighters get to this point, to be honest, where they're, where they're in the seat that you're in and you've earned it by, by, you know, taking that time off from the sport and all that. Uh, whether or not you go in this direction, I just want to know, do you think Dana White has a future in boxing? Do you, do you think that, that they know what they're doing, that this is something that'll work out? Well, he did a great job uh, in the UFC. He, he's definitely done a great job, you know, promoting the UFC and, and turning it into the sport that it is, you know. So he, he knows how to promote. He knows how to do, you know, uh, events, huge events. Um, he wants to jump in and venture into boxing. He needs the top guys. He's going to need, you know, top names or else he's going to have uh, a tough time in launching his promotional uh, boxing career, but um, 
if he gets the right names and if he's willing to pay what what uh, these names deserve, then I think he can do well. That's fair, very fair. All right, when we look at this Easter fight, right away people say, hey, I want to see this because Easter's long, he's tall, he's quick, he's he's all this good stuff. But then there's those other half of the people, Mikey, that are like, hey, didn't Easter lose to Fortuna and, he, and Fortuna got robbed? You saw that fight. What would you learn about that fight in comparison to his other ones to know who's going to be in that ring across from you on July 28th? Well, I, I didn't think he, he lost. I thought he was a tough fight for Easter, but uh, Fortuna is a very complicated opponent also. It's difficult to look good and, 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 and look spectacular against Fortuna. Fortuna is a little awkward, a little different. Uh, so Easter had a tough fight, but he overcame the challenges. He overcame the, the, the rounds and, and came out you know, still winning the fight. I still thought he won, so um, he, I'm sure he learned from that. And that's only going to help him be a better fighter when he shows up on July 28th against me. Very fair. Again, you're very, you're very fair interview, Mikey. You, you bring it. You just come forward with it. I got to ask you a fun question because as boxing fans, we're also degenerates. We love sloppy fights. We love <laughs> we love pay per view fights. We love old guy fights. We love everything in between. And there's August fourth. They're talking about Victor Ortiz and Brandon Rios. I know you've known both guys a long time. How do you handicap that fight? Because that's a sloppy Super Bowl. I'm fired up for that. Yeah, that, that's going to be exciting if, if it goes down. Um, you know, there, there's been a lot of uh, animosity between the, the two. And, um, you know, it's it's fan-friendly fight. I'm sure fans would enjoy that because they're both there to fight. Um, I, I hope it gets done. You know, I want to see that too. I'm, I'm also, you know, trying to uh, catch that. You know, a week after mine, I'd, I would definitely make the trip out there and, and check it out, you know, go support my boy, Brandon, and, and see see him, you know, do his thing. But um, I think the fans are, are, have been asking for that for, for quite some time, so it would be nice to finally get it done. All right, in closing, Mikey, if somebody threw a piece of pizza and hit you in the face like happened to our guy VO, what would happen next? You're putting on the cowboy hat and get, <laughs> getting the six-shooter? What's happening next? Yeah, I'm getting that six-shooter out right away. So I'm talking about. Hey, July 28th, Mikey Garcia, Robert Easter Jr., Showtime, lightweight unification. Love that fight. Great talking to you, Mikey. Best of luck. Stay healthy. Get out there. Get it done, buddy. Hey, thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right, Rafe, special thanks to Mikey Garcia for dropping by. I am very much looking forward to that fight July 28th. A busy night in combat sports. I know you don't get down with the UFC, but a very good card that night. Rafe, weekend preview time. We start with Friday, and we start with our favorite game. Rafe Bartholomew, do you care? From Los Angeles, your backyard, ESPN. This has to be a golden boy uh Free card. <laughs> Golden boy on ESPN. Ten rounds, featherweights, Joette Gonzalez versus Rafael Rivera. Do you care? <laughs> I do not care. Do not care. I played basketball with uh, a guy named Ralph Rivera who was a former pro in the Philippines. We were in a league together out there. Wow. I care about Ralph Rivera. Great wow. shooter. Wow. Do you have a handle? Oh, he does. Man, it's a long time ago, dude. Okay, okay. Uh, Friday morning, Kobe Japan, Ryuai Yamanaka versus Vic Saludar. And I looked it up. It's not the same Vic Salazar Jr. from our, our guy the, from the boxing scene or the boxing voice, all the boxing scenes. Uh, for Yamanaka's WBO strawweight title, I know Adam Abramowitz will be streaming that, but do you care? No, 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 no. All right, all right. 
Well, let's get into what matters a little more then. It's Saturday. ESPN owns boxing, and boxing owns ESPN on Saturday. Get ready for an all-day event, an all-day affair, Rafe, of a lot of boxing coming your way across various ESPN apps and channels and streaming devices. I want to start at 7 p.m. Eastern from New Orleans. 140-pound title bout. Or is it a title bout? Yeah, Regis Prograde. Doesn't he have a title? Ruguru? I think he got one of those titles. He's the number one ranked guy. Boom. He, I think, yeah, he, he, when he beat Ndongo, that was for a vacant. All right. He's a New Orleans guy. This is a homecoming. He's facing Juan Jose Velasco, 7 p.m. Eastern ESPN. I, I care. I care when Progray's getting in there. How good can we, how good can this guy be? Where are we at? Where are we at with this guy? We don't know yet. We, we think very good. He looks very good. He, he went straight from beating up guys on Showbox to beating up Showbox opponents on ESPN until he blew out Ndongo, which is pretty impressive, although we still we don't really know because he Ndongo might just be one of these guys who gets blown out now. But man, he looks like the real thing. And eventually we're gonna find out. I don't know if Saturday is the time, but I he's somebody who I wanna keep seeing more of because he's been blown he, he's been winning fights in one, two rounds so fast that that one, that's just fun to watch. And two, we want to see what happens when he does get pushed a little. Maybe it's this Saturday. Maybe it's when – I think he has also agreed to join that WBSS after after this fight uh, or the winner of this fight will join that WBSS tournament season two. That's awesome, man. If you get both him and, and Taylor in that tournament, that's that's some nasty business. That is. That is. He's a southpaw. He's 21-0, 18 KOs. This is for an interim WBC 140 pounds. And the Rougarou mask is worth the price of admission. I mean, it is up. I I, I was impressed with Jermel Charlo's lion uh, headdress, but it still is no Rougarou mask. Well, I'll tell you this. uh, The undercard begins at 4.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus, if you care that much to get in there. So ESPN is taking over the airwaves for about 10 hours. But uh, Juan Jose Velasco is 20-0 with 12 KOs from Argentina, Rafe. The pit bull, they call him. I look over his record. I see a lot of guys I've never heard of, but um, I'll watch this. I'm into it. I'm into it. But, Rafe, I want to get into the co-main event because a guy that is making me care about him is unbeaten lightweight Teofimo Lopez, just 9-0, and getting me to care so much, Rafe, that I wanted to get him on the show. I wanted to be early on this guy because when I saw him at MSG a couple months ago, it just, just blew me away. Let's hear now. From the New York-born, the fiery, the trash talker, the brash one, Teofimo Lopez, who will face William Silva Saturday night in New Orleans. Enjoy. Teofimo Lopez, my man, on the podcast. Look, I got to say, thanks for joining us, of course. But I've been wanting to talk to you. You caught my attention. You're you're on the scene with this. You're talking about this takeover, man. Welcome to the podcast Great to chat with you. I feel like you're ready to take over. Is that is that what's going on right now? <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, it's an honor, matter of fact. Um, no, definitely, definitely. That's what we do, man. It's a takeover. And that's what we're doing come July 14th in uh, New Orleans. That's this what I'm saying. It's going to be my, my town. We're, we're <laughs> going to see you in that, in that. I believe that's the co-main event of the New Orleans card, ESPN. That's a 7 p.m. Eastern start, correct? I want to make sure I get the let the ladies know where they can find you there. Oh, yeah, 7 p.m. on Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific. Right. Yep. It's, it's not often, Teofimo, that I get people on the show that don't have 10 pro fights. Maybe Clarissa Shields, Vasily Lomachenko, special cases. But 
I'm at Madison Square Garden on May 12th, ready to see Lomachenko, the pound-for-pound king. And something happened that only happens every few years. You watch an undercard fight, and you feel like in front of you, somebody just took a leap. And that was you against Vitor Jones Freitas, first-round knockout. And it's not just the power, and it was a really nice knockout, but it's the salesmanship. It's the dancing. It's the total package. I go, <laughs> I go. somebody put that guy's name in my phone. I got to watch this guy. I, I need to track him now. I'm ready. This guy's next in my mind because he's speaking the language that me as a, as a fan wants to see. I feel like you're doing that to, to more than a few people right now. You're turning some heads. You got to. We're entertainers. Well, that's what I bring to the table is I entertain. Like I said, I actually told Lomachenko and Leonidas with no disrespect, I'm going to take over Saturday night, and that's my show. And that's exactly what I did. The celebration came out uh, better than what I expected for it to be. Um, the knockout as well, my first first rounder. So I had to celebrate, and I celebrated big. That's what I do is um, – what I mean to take over is to take over everything that people haven't done and and basically, you know, just um just keep shining, man. Uh, we're entertainers. At the end of the day, people are paying to see us entertain. Am I right? That's so what I'm at talking the end about. Of the day, um, yeah. I mean, that dance in the moment, does that just hit you right there in the moment, or was that planned? Oh, that's all planned. Everything I do is planned. Everything I do is planned. Uh, my celebrations are planned. Uh, I don't know. I have like this thing and I put in my head what I'm going to do and it, it falls through exactly how I said it would be. And, and that's one thing that I, I truly believe. I'm young. Yes, I'm 20. This will be my last fight as a 20 year old. Um, I will be turning 21 July 30th, but you know, I'm very excited. This is my last fight as a 20 year old and I'm going to definitely put on another show for this one. Uh, the dude I'm fighting has never been stopped. But we'll see. He's never fought a fighter like me. And um, I'm definitely looking forward to it. My first uh, headliner, basically, co-main event and uh, on ESPN. I just can't wait. I have so many tricks up my sleeve that you guys have not yet seen. And in due time, I will show them little by little. All right. You're facing William Silva. He's 25-1, and one, a 10-rounder. This is a good step up to see on this next level what you can do. Now, you mentioned it. You're just 20 years old, the 2016 Olympian. You're a Brooklyn native, though. I mean, do you feel like you fit in that lineage of great Brooklyn fighters, not just the heavyweights like Tyson and Boa, but guys like Zab Judah? Do you, can you hang with those bros? But of course. But of course, man. Like Mike Tyson. You got Shannon Briggs. You got a lot of great fighters that came out of Brooklyn. You know, uh, definitely I come from that line. <laughs> now, you you got the the machismo, the chutzpah, the confidence, but you're just 20, and we've seen a lot of these prospects rise, and they were the guys, you know? I mean, and, no disrespect to Felix Verdejo, but I was about to, like, give him the keys to my car. You know what I mean? I was about to give him my sister's number. I was ready to put this guy on a poster. How do you avoid <laughs> at 20 juggling this and not going the wrong way, not showing up on TMZ? How do you keep it together? Oh, uh, man, everything is from God, man. Everything goes from him first, man. Um, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I'm very true to the game. I stay true to the game. You know, at the end of the day, it's not about how you got it, but how you kept it, you know? So you got to know how to keep it, and that's what I do. Um, even though I'm going to be 21, it doesn't change the thing. It's still the same thing. Uh, my mindset, everything is just different. I'm just, I'm not, look at the way I fight. Look, the way, I already have nine fights, right, as a professional fighter. 
and I'm already fighting as a co-main event feature and fighting a guy that Felix Waddell fought on his 19th fight. So what does that go to show you? You know, um, I was made for this, clearly. And I know at the end of the day, um, I got to always work hard. That's true. But um, I'm dedicated. You're 20. You're holding it together. You're made for this. Look, I was a mess at 20, Teo. I had a life of beer cans, hot dogs, and video games. You're holding it together, though. You turned 21 on July 30th. You're promoted by the god, Bob Arum, who on this podcast said, hey, he'll light up the green stuff if he has to. So are we going to see you crack the first can of beer July 30th with the gangster Bob Arum by your side? What's going to happen here? Uh, he'll probably pop up tequila, but I'm going to pop a Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah, that's about it, man. Coca-Cola is my thing. That's it. I love it. Um, I, yeah. Coca- Hello? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm right here. I'm, I can hear you. All right. I thought I lost you again. Um, no, nah, definitely. Um, Coca-Cola is my thing, but nothing more than that. Uh, but definitely. We're going to celebrate. We're definitely going to celebrate. I'm thinking about going to Cancun, Mexico. Oh, wow. Ted, keep yeah. everybody's cell phones away, all right? No pictures. No pictures. we got to keep this image up going together. <laughs> all right, would you call yourself a trash talker? You're brash, but would you call yourself a trash talker? You can call me whatever you want. Um, I'm just enjoying I, I I live for the moment. Yeah, I trash talk. I talk my shit, but I back it up. Uh, and it's clearly showing. Uh, it's gotten me this far, and we're not even there yet. <laughs> so imagine. I'm going to keep talking my shit. Uh, my father talks. He talks who's my coach, he talks uh, He talks a lot, and I do the walk. But now it's down to the point where I'm talking it, and I'm going to walk it as well. Your father. Uh, that's Jr. a dynamic duo, I call it. That's it right there, that your father, Junior, your trainer. We've seen the father-son boxing trainer thing go really well and go really bad through the years. I had Leo Santa Cruz on this podcast. He says it just comes down to respect. He knows his dad has his back. Angel Garcia and Danny Garcia, the same thing. What's that relationship like for you and your father? I can agree with them. At the end of the day, we know what they want, you know, for us. They want us to be the best at what we do. Other coaches just want a payday and a check. You know, my father, he's not really like that. My father, he's deep down, you know, he's still going to get what he needs to get at, when it gets to that point, you know. But uh, my father doesn't look at that. My father looks at it as be careful, take care of yourself, keep doing what you're doing. And he just looks out for me in every possible way that he can. Uh, even when I'm not fighting, you know, if I go out, he's like, be careful. And sometimes he wants to come with me. He doesn't trust it. So he really, he really cares about, you know, about me and how things go about. So uh, my dad, he was, my dad lived it rough, man, especially in New York. My dad was a, my dad was a drug dealer at one point. <laughs> that's real. That's, that's real right there. Yeah. That's the struggle. They write songs about that. You know that. But look what, look what yeah, you know. Nah, my dad look, Started at the bottom. Now father, you're here. He, Huh? You started at the bottom, but now you're here. This is, we're, we're going in a good place here with the Lopez family. So that, that's what I'm talking about there. But who do you pattern your game after? Do you have a, are you one of those fighters that takes a little bit from guys you watched on the way up? But of course, I think we all should. Uh, uh, everybody has impacted us in, you know, every generation is every era. There's something that, that brings out again. You know, you got Hector, uh, Macho Camacho, you have, uh, Pernell Whitaker, which is Sweet P. You have Roy Jones Jr. You had uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, Mike Tyson, Floyd Mayweather. Those are guys that I actually admire the most. You know, I look at all of them, and I took bits and pieces of what they had, and I put it into my style. 
we move it around, and this is what you get. You got Teofimo Lopez in the flesh. Hey, That's it. all it is. Um, uh, I'm not here to fight like them, but I'm here to to grab things that 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 sparked everybody to keep watching. You know, at the end of the day, you don't want to be that fighter that's boring. You do not want to be that fighter that's boring. So, by all means, what I'm going to do is impress, and I'm always going to impress. And at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, when I'm out and I finish my fight, I want to see smiles. That's all I bring is to entertain the crowd. And by all means, um, I'm ready for everything. Whatever, put them in front of me and I'll beat them. Put them in front of me and I'll beat them. I know what I'm capable of. I've been with, I've been sparred with the greats and fighters like Luke Campbell, Regan Dial, uh, Sean Porter. The list goes on and on. And you know, I've had, I've done my own on that one. So yeah, I want, I want yeah, to ask man, you about I'm that. 20, but, you have a long huh? list of guys that you sparred with. How does that? What does that look like when you spar with Rigo? Rigo, <laughs> uh, Rigo, he's a very humble dude, man. He's a very good guy. Um, that's that I can say. Every time he sees me, he's like, campion, campion. He jumps up to me. He even picks me up. Although he's a small dude, he picks me up. Um, he has a lot of respect towards me and everything. Um, you know, I earned that, you know, through sparring and everything. Uh, it was good. He's very technical, yes. But there's certain things that I did to to throw that off for him. So that's what he really liked about me and everything. So, you know, um you know, I don't know what happened to him anyways. He he went MIA. Yeah, that was a he, t- he took did, a hard but... L there against Lomachenko not coming out, you know, getting up off his stool. Did you res- did you have any respect for that or what? I mean, he was like giving the sport a middle finger at that point. Um, I'm probably going to get like um bashed off of this, but Cubans don't have heart. Wow. They don't have heart. Yeah, I'm going to get bashed for that one, but they don't have heart. I've been with Cubans, I've sparred with Cubans and they don't have no heart. You know, um you could be all talented all you want, but you gotta have heart, man. Uh, even if you had a messed up hand, especially in the magnet, in a fight that big, you know, uh, especially in a fight that big, you know, you can't you can't back out like that. And especially the way he did, I knew I knew the Cubans were upset about that. I got no, I got nothing against the Cubans. They're very smart, they're technical, and everything, talented. But in this game, you gotta have heart, and not a lot of fighters have it. Wow, love it, love not it! You bring in the pain there. I think, I think, I think, I think boxing is turning into a bitch sport. Excuse my language, and I'm just trying to bring it back up, like the good old days. We got to get back to the days of Ann Wolf saying stuff like this. Yeah, I mean, you fit, you fit in right in that equation. Yeah, I think Rigo lost a bit of his heart that night. Bless his soul, I love him, but he let me down big time. But you're not letting people down right now. You got that it factor. You're arguably the, the, you know, the brightest of the young unbeaten prospects, but a lot of people like this other guy. King Rye, Ryan Garcia, you know, the heartthrob, the guy who's taking everybody to the prom, the guy who's talking about how wild his DMs are, he's shirtless singing on Instagram, he's rubbing some people the wrong way. Can you get in there and uh, take this guy's soul for, for the hardcores or what? Well, of course, I, I don't know, something, when people mention Ryan Garcia, I just, I get a joke out of it. I laugh so hard. Um, I, I let him do what he has to do at the end of the day. But actually, you know, he was um he was on um he was on the show with uh with Kevin L. And he was like uh Kevin Kevin talked about me, and so I heard, and he basically said that uh uh he actually was talking smack 
it's about time somebody calls me out. Wow. It's about time. And uh, it, it's about time. But I think he just, he couldn't take it no more. Um, a lot of fighters, I talk a lot of smack, but they never come at me about it. But I think the hype is getting to his head. Um, he has to be careful, man. Deep down, he has to be careful. I, he, he got the wrong one if he's trying to get with me. Uh, but he's he's 130. He's a light dude, man. I don't see nothing. I don't see what I have to do. I don't see him as a challenge, first off. And second, second off is what do I get out of it, honestly? That doesn't help me in any type of way. Uh, the kid, the kid promoted himself with Golden Boy very well, yes. But that kid's gonna be a huge bust. Mark my words. I give it another year. That, that kid's gonna be a huge bust, and they gotta be very, very, very careful with him. And I'm saying that right now. Top rank, they put me with anybody, and they know I'm gonna beat them. Wow, Along they're bringing the heat right now. You did say though, what am I gonna win for beating that guy? Well, AB once said, "I beat Polly." I mean, there's a lot of girls, a lot of girls in high school, a lot of high school girls in Southern California. You might be taking home with you that night. That's just me talking right there. <laughs> oh man, yeah, nah, but um, nah, that kid. I wish him nothing but the best, but I see where his future's headed. So it's like, I don't even worry about that. All right, your future, yeah. needs a nickname. Okay, Teofimo Lopez is a manly name. All right, that that speaks of boxing royalty. But we gotta get something. I, you know, I heard maybe you, you, some people call you Gordo. To me, that sounds a little too much like Zerto the Turtle Ramirez. People are gonna heckle on that. All right, you don't need that. How about this, Teofimo coming for your girl Lopez, right? I like that, Mister Steal Your Girl. Mister Steal Your Girl. That, that that's that's a T-shirt right there. I mean, hashtag the takeover. You know that there's a future there, but hashtag Mister Steal Your Girl. I think that's uh, we can make hats. We can make beer koozies. You know, we can go in business together. We can do this every weekend. I'm, I'm, I'm fired up for you. You gonna? Which direction are you going here with the nickname? With the nickname, they call me Brooklyn. They call me uh, Fimo. They say Gordo. I mean, me and still Fimo Lopez. I don't really know. If there's a nickname. I, it'll come here and there. It'll come, but, but they call me Brooklyn. I don't know, man. Uh, Tio Fimo Lopez. I don't know, man. That's not a. That's not an easy name to like rhyme with. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, I just let the fans. I let the fans call me what they want to call me. Um, as long as it ain't boring, that's all that matters. Well, soon they could call you champion, and that's my, that's where I want to end here, on how fast you want to go, because you're yeah. brash, you're 9-0, you're going up to the 10-round co-main event level. If you defeat William Silva, Saturday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, ESPN, how quickly are you going to be in line for a title shot to really make that next big leap? i say by the end of this year or beginning of 2019. Wow. Yeah, I already have my, I already have a couple, I have another fight lined up that I know of. But I can't say until after this one fight, this fight is over. So um, we just got to get through this guy first, and um, that's about it. I think I'm fighting in September again. So, uh, so by the looks of it, you know, by the looks of it, uh, I see myself fighting for a world title very soon. Look, nine fights. I'm already fighting as a co-main event, uh, ten rounder. You know, they don't need to um, trust me. When they want to make a champion, they'll make one. That's the truth. Is there, and is as there, long as I keep on winning and doing what I do, it's gonna happen. You fight Mark at lightweight. Way. I'll be champion by twenty-one. You're you're a lightweight, uh -huh. one thirty-five. I've heard, I've heard interviews with your dad saying, you know, you're gonna move up, you're gonna grow into more, you're gonna do a lot of things at the bigger weights. It's very early, but is there like one guy that you're like, 
we're going to do business down the road. Because, like, for, like, Shakur Stevenson and Michael Conlon, they're looking across from each other, right? There's been a lot of guys through the years who have that other guy from the other promotion that they're looking across the street at, right? Errol Spence and Bud Crawford right now looking across the street at each other. Is there any guy you want to announce right now? Might be two, three years. Maybe be, maybe be three fights from now. Who knows? But, hey, I think you hear me knocking, and I think I'm coming in. What do you got? Nobody. <laughs> hey, I don't see nobody as a challenge. I'm sorry. Brian, I am so sorry to the fans. I don't see nobody as a challenge. Um, down the line, besides the champions, that's all who I want. Um, I think I'm still, you know, still a kid. At the end of the day, I'm still, I'm still showing into a man, so my body's still developing. Um, you know, I'm definitely at the 40, 47, maybe even 54 throughout my career. I don't know. I can see potential. I can see myself. But they're already getting old. Uh, they're older now, but I can see myself uh, probably fighting Crawford or Spence, you know, fighters like that. If they keep winning and stuff, that'd be nice. But um, overall, I don't see I – don't, I don't know what to tell you uh, on that one. Uh, none of the prospects coming up, I don't see none of that. Um, I'm ahead of the game. I'm leading the way. And they know that. That's why they're trying so – if you haven't, if you haven't noticed, they're trying so hard to impress everybody, and it's because what I'm doing is so like what I do. I make it look so easy, but for them, it's like a hard job. It's it's crazy. Um, you either got it or you don't. I don't have to. I, this is just me. It's my flavor. This is my charisma. This is my sauce. <laughs> um, I don't have to try hard for nobody. Hey, you, you, I'm ready. I'm ready to go on this journey with you. Get your popcorn ready. The takeover. I hope the takeover doesn't turn out like Andre Berto's The Harvest because I'm still waiting for that harvest to come in. But the takeover is still live and direct. It's ready. It continues Saturday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, ESPN from the city of Nolens. Teofimo, steal your girl, Lopez. Thank you, sir, for joining us. Best of luck. Hey, stay on that right path, man. Enjoy that 21st birthday. I don't, I don't want, look, I don't want to see it pop, you pop up on the wrong website. Keep it going, man. Keep this moving forward. Oh, no, nah, no. Nah. Trust me, I won't. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Brian, for having me. And uh, I can't wait, man. We'll talk soon. Rafe, I don't know how you don't just instantly fall in love with this guy. He's fun in the ring, and he know, understands salesmanship. He's only 20 years old. He's an entertainer. And he just randomly drops things like, I'm probably going to get bashed for this, but Cubans have no heart. And boxing is turning into a bitch sport. What? We, what? I love this. I'm with it, man. I mean, he just comes It's like, I'm from New York, New York. Like, yeah, it, it, that that's an important part of this uh, this appeal for me. And, and it works. Uh, he's exciting. I remember going back to the 2016 Olympics. Everyone was saying, hey, this guy looks like a real pro prospect, regardless of how far he makes it in this uh, very above the board, not crooked tournament. Uh, and it, so far in his career, it looks like that. He's been fun. He's, and he sells his fight, man. I like the dancing after the knockouts, you know? The, the little, I'm not a Fortnite player, but I understand that had something to do with what happens when you, you, you shoot someone in Fortnite. Good for him. He's that, that appeals to the kids, the esports crowd. Everybody wants the esports, man. So much traffic. How can we make money off Twitch? I don't care. I like boxing. Shut up. Um, and, but yo, yo. Let's slow down. I'm. So, I gotta carry it away with I all like the, the hype. I like that. Cubans, they have no heart. You are you with that? Is well, is is, our, is Bryn Jonathan Butler coming to your coming good. to your crib with with a bunch of feral cats and a hammer to ta- you, or, or or a sword to take you out? My guy Yuri Gamboa had heart against Terrence Bud Crawford. 
but in general, that does seem to be a stigma that follows around Cuban fighters that, that they, well, Lara had heart when he, when he tried to fight heard off of him, but I, you know, whatever. I didn't make the comment. Lopez did. Okay. He's going to have to back those words up one day in the ring. Um, his thoughts on Ryan Garcia's DMs though, Rafe. What did you think about that? Huge bust. Mark my words, says Lopez. Hey, Ryan, yeah. You beat Pauly. You get his girl. You beat Ryan Garcia. You got some sloppy DMs coming your way. I, I'm, look, I, I don't know if Teofimo Lopez needs to travel, needs to go back, back to Cali, Cali just to, to find some girls. I mean, we got, you know, he's, he, he's got all the pics of the kind of women Pauly used to meet, uh, in Brooklyn and in New York. You know, he's, he's good. You mean back in 2013 when it was, you know, actually sleep with a lot of women. It's 2013. That's what we do. And that's what, that's what we do, right? I mean, you, come on, you know? I got more girls than Adrian Bonas got hairs on his head, okay? I've been with more girls, yeah. I got more, I've been with more girls than the whole band camp's been put together. If you combine all the girls band camp's been with, I've been with more of them put together. Okay, broke camp. All right, broke camp. Don't be talking, uh, anyway, um, don't be talking about a side piece, yeah. I Look, that's fun, look, and, and that's smart. We we talked about this back when Ryan Garcia fought in in StubHub uh, before the, uh, what, early May, before Cinco de Mayo, before Vanes t- taking on Triple G. Um, we talked about Ryan Garcia, and we were saying, look, young up-and-coming fighters around that weight class should call him out, yes. should, should push that issue because he's got this rising star, and while he looks very talented, he didn't look unvulnerable in that fight. Uh, and, and if, and these guys should be wanting to make a name off of that. Cause he's got that huge, he's got million, like a million Instagram followers. He's got the giant social media bump. Who cares about the DM? Who cares about the, the extra love you I might do. get? Are you okay? Well, I do. you know, okay. I'm an old you man. I'm You're not an athlete. Yeah. It's yeah. not 2013 anymore, Brian. Um, uh, I want before we get to Manny, we got to close with Manny. Of course, that's the star of the show. I want to get one thing though. Lopez has got the marketing down. Everybody's got a hashtag these days, right? Like strap season or man down or uh, whatever. His is hashtag the takeover. He wears shirts. He interrupts people at press conferences and says, sorry, Vasily, but the takeover's coming. I told him that the harvest didn't work too well for our guy, Birdo. You believe in the takeover? I, you know, I'll tell you a couple things I like about the takeover. The takeover is vague enough that it's not going to come back to haunt him. Stuff like man down, one time. Look at poor Keith Thurman. That one time thing has become a joke. Uh, not his fight. I still think he's a, a very good fighter and I hope he fights again sometime in our lives. Uh, but he hasn't knocked any, you know, he's hit other people plenty. Once he started fighting good fighters, he hit, he's hit them hundreds of times and nothing, you know, they have not gone down or been knocked out. Uh, still pretty powerful puncher, but whatever. One time doesn't work out. Man down has that same kind of danger. If you don't put the man down, it can be used against you. The takeover could mean anything. Could mean a lot of things. And I also like because it reflects that New York, those Brooklyn roots, Jay-Z, breaks over, takeover. You know, I mean, that's 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 it, man. All right. All right. Saturday night, of course, 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus, the app from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Yes! Mani Pacquiao, the senator, will challenge Lucas Mati for his WBA regular welterweight title, which is like that bootleg version, but that's fine, whatever. It's, this has potential to be everything I love, everything I want in this sport, everything that is extra, extra sloppy, Rafe. It could also, it could be really fun. And, uh, the key storyline, I guess, is that Manny's coming in without Freddie Roach. He's got Boo Boy in his corner. Manny didn't look great against Jeff Horn. He didn't look like he cared that much heading into that fight. You are you leaning right now? Your needle, potential draft pipe for Manny, or don't worry, guys. He's got this. He's always going to be 
Lucas Matisse, whether they're in their primes or whether they're both washed like they are now. Either way, I want to see it. But what's your Pacquiao confidence level coming in? Oh, I, Brian, this one is so confusing. There's, it could go in so many different direct. My needle can go up or down, oh, left or right. It, it's very, it, it, the factors, the swing on this fight is incredible. And I, I don't, I don't, I'm not really confident in either side of this because yes, if Manny is, you know, did not train well, uh, which is, seems possible because he did, he spent the entire camp in the Philippines and he's been training with Boo Boy for the first time as the head trainer. It's a big change. He's older. It, it, there's a lot of red flags there. If, if all those things come together, he could basically just walk into something and, and we could get a replay of that kind of knockout we saw in 2012 oh, when man. Juan Manuel Marquez ended the old Manny Pacquiao. That's it's even. It's true though. It's a. It's a realistic thing here. Like boxing journalism and analyst guy aside, let's just get back into our fan hole. Yeah, this could be a not just a trap fight. This could be an end fight. This could be a what? not just. There's hints that you're washed. This could be jump off the pier. Like this could be really bad. But Brian, there's also uh, and it and it. I don't think it's any less plausible than the trap fight possibility here that. Manny just is better. He's faster and still good enough to, in, in any kind of circumstance, beat Lucas Matisse. Uh, if he fights the, he, cause he still has power and Matisse is tough. You know, I mean, he made it through the fight with Provodnikov. He took some tough shots and was hurting that. We've seen him, but if he could, it, it, there is a side of this and you're like, wait a minute. Manny has never not Manny has never lost to one of these guys who is a, a clear level below him, talent, athleticism-wise. He, he just gets to them first Wait, he never and has? knocks them out. He never has? What about, you know... You're going to go back to, like, yeah, Torre Campo and, like, getting whenever? Down and put to sleep by Joe Hall. I mean, that you just that, that's, you just described it. A guy below his competition level, the last fight. Beat him! I don't know if... I, that That... Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm not, you to... wanted me to go back to Boonsai Sangsura. No, I'm not going that far. You know, Agapito Sanchez, the draw. No, not going that far. What's the other guy? Rustico Torricampo. No, I'm going back to a guy who fights with a certain level of. The guy has balls. Okay, I mean, he fights like a gang member. Um, Matisse is not going to have. He does fight. I mean, that he is a tough street gangster. Except when he goes to Omaha and gets his balls and his soul taken and stomped and sold to Warren Buffett and taxidermied and thrown up on Warren Buffett's wall and invested in. Um, yeah, uh, forget Jeff Horn. Jeff, the thing is, the, Matisse is probably smaller or the same size as Pacquiao. He's not going to sort of roughhouse and boss uh, Pacquiao around. I was amazed that they managed to get Kenny Bayless out there to ref this fight, and we know Kenny does not let you mess around. I mean, Maidana, we all know 100% Maidana beats Floyd in the rematch, if not for Kenny Bayless. No, I'm playing. That is not true. But, uh, some will, t- some will, British Paul and some other yes. Maidana diehards will tell you that. Um, it's a, uh, I, I don't think that the Horn fight is that similar. Horn is just an awkward, different kind of fighter. Matisse is a, a power puncher. He's not, there's nothing tricky about him. If he catches you, you're in trouble. And the people who think he's tailor-made for Manny are basically saying he's not going to catch Manny. 
Well, there's one thing Manny has been able to do, and it's reinvent himself when we think he's fully washed. And it happened a couple of times. Look, when he got knocked out by Marcus, we were legitimately concerned he would never be the same, right? Even that Brandon Rios fight, even though in our in our brains telling us, no, he's going to wash this guy, part of our heart was like, is he washed? Is he going to get into a weird war? And look, he looked fantastic, right? Looked fantastic against uh, Algeri, right? I mean, even in the Bradley rematch, he had some bad moments. But entering that third Bradley fight, coming off of the loss to Mayweather, where the shoulder thing, I thought that may be it. This is time for him to be washed. Rafe, he turned up to another gear against Bradley and reminded you that he still got it. Same thing next fight against Vargas. Looked really good as a still quick boxer. Fought very smart. Didn't get into any kinds of trouble. Then the horn thing happens, and you start to go, okay, well, he's not serious. He's not training. He cares more about being a senator and playing pickup ball for whatever team he owns. Like, maybe if he comes back and just gets serious again, Matisse at 35, who, you know, quit against Postal with an eye injury. I get it, but maybe this is one-sided and we just don't see it coming in. Well, this is, this is something about Matisse that we've seen. Probably his greatest flaw as a fighter is that he kind of is a front runner, right? And he needs to be having success in the ring to continue having success in the ring. And when thing, a fight starts to turn against him, he almost never manages to turn that fight back around. I'd say the only times he I've seen him do that were in the uh, Ruslan Provodnikov fight, but that's different because you can always hit Ruslan Provodnikov. You can always get your offense going against him, even when he was a little bit gassed out from having to punch Provodnikov a million times. Um, he could always sort of, once he got his win back, take control of that fight again. Um, and and But in other cases, when things start to turn against Matisse, he gets discouraged, he doesn't pursue is hard i mean look all the way back to those early close kind of ugly fights where he got outpointed controversially against zab judah and devin alexander it's the same thing he didn't really put once once it became clear that those guys were going to stink him out a little bit and he didn't go after them at, at the level he needed to make those clear wins and the postal situation danny garcia when his eye when that fight turned once the weird thing happened with matisse's eye they, they, he, so if this fight start, if, if Manny comes out like gangbusters and is just like way faster in the, in the first couple of rounds and looks like he's got it under control, I don't know if Matisse can turn that around. The one could thing it, though is he, he will, Manny is reckless. He might, he, there's, there, even if Manny is dominating this fight, he looks like a million bucks. He could still get one punch because he, 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 he Manny will always have that little, he makes little mistakes. He does get caught. Best Every case scenario is Manny's maybe winning early. And then, like you mentioned, Matisse hits that one punch. Manny shakes his head, does those Manny things where he bunches, puts the gloves against each other, starts pumping himself up, and then we get a little bit of a war. If it actually well, turns into a war, who do you favor? Because I still oh, favor Brian, Pac. Well, I still favor Pac. I, I was, I, I'm, I was gonna say, Brian, that's the other thing about this. That's the other plausible outcome for this fight, which we aren't talking about as much because it doesn't have as much to do with the outcome. Who might win? It's. This has a chance to turn into a true, amazing end of their careers, last final rallying cry war for both of these guys who have been really fun action fighters, Manny more so. Uh, and, and it could be this back and forth, blood and guts, uh, like, uh, just crazy great fight. And yeah, I favor Manny in that because we've seen him rally before. We've seen as, as long as, Matisse's power is not so overwhelming that it knocks Manny out clean, basically hurts him so bad he can't continue. 
uh, I would favor Manny in, you know, in, in the war version of this fight. Um, but Matisse might have that kind of power. You don't, we, we can't, you don't want to rule that out. But also, I mean, let me ago, first say something. Yeah. Well, I'll get that in a second. Also, four years ago, you know, he got, Matisse got into a brawl with John Molina and was life or death, you know, and, and that was four, that was a, the version of Matisse four years ago. So Manny, even at washed pushing 40, seems to have more class than John Molina. Maybe not as equal power, just short, but more class where, look, prediction time, I gotta favor Manny in a decision that has fun moments. But this train, as you mentioned, can go off the tracks on either side. On the super sloppy, wow, these guys are old, get them out of the ringside, or the Pacquiao Marquez 4, oh my god, these guys are emptying the damn tank against each other's side, and I can't wait to see what happens. But, Rafe, the fan in you, the fan in you, to finally get this dream fight, I mean, this is a fight like five, six years ago, we were like, oh my god, if one day we could ever see that, to have the real Manny Pacquiao against the new menu. I mean, let me say first something. Let me say first something. We have, we have a new Manny Pacquiao. He's from Argentina and his name is Lucas the Machine. Matisse. I mean, I, if this was WWE, we would have Richard Schaefer as the guest referee. I mean, this would be fantastic. Oh my God. Oh yes. That would, oh, what, what it look. Well, the thing is Manny at that, you know, earlier Manny probably just washes Matisse. Uh, but hey, we, this is, this, this, if it turns into a brawl, turns into something, cla- into a classic, both guys have given, well, Matisse hasn't quite been in, he's, I guess Molina is close to a classic. Yeah, Matisse Provodnikov. hasn't been in classics like Manny has, but well, man. Provodnikov was a, was a. Oh yeah, yeah, that was blood and, oh my, that was one of the more brutal fights. Jeez, Provodnikov, my hat goes off to that guy. What a, what a legend. Um, Brian, I wanted to run a little idea by you, a quick tangent. I think, can we pay a little tribute, give a, put a, spray a little water on the balls of the boxing nation of Argentina? Yes. Yes. Talk about a, a country. Cool them down. Yes. That does not have, you know, has not ha- isn't have the, the richest boxing history compared to, you know, Mexico, Puerto Rico, the United States, the Middle West, as Uncle Roger likes to call it, his region. Uh, you know, it not, it doesn't have that as many world champions and all time greats, but pound for pound, are they giving us the most fun, at least in this current era, like a, a, of internet crazy boxing fandom? Are they giving us the most, the, 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 my, first of all, my, my entire career. Diego Chavez's. Of cornhole, Diego guys? Chavez, the finger bang man. Uh, we get the the flutes at Maidana Floyd too at the national anthem. The Sergio fl- Martinez, you love the flutes. Oh my God, sexy Sergio! You forget he's he forget he's Argentinian because because he hangs out with all those slick Spaniards. Walter Matisse, come on, come on! The Argentinian Sebastian legend. Lujan's ear getting ripped off his oh, head. Wow. Who are we missing in the great lineage of recent Argentine borderline contenders? I'm, I'm gonna check Google. Uh, I mean, there's legends, of course. There's like the Carlos Monzones and the Bonavinas, but we're not talking about those. We're talking about the recent, I mean, you're, oh, Rat Tail Narvaez, you know, yeah. Oof, Carlos Valdemir, yeah. Oh, 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 man. Didn't All he just right. do something uh, gross do- in real life? He just did something gross, right? Valdemir? Yeah, didn't he touch something he shouldn't have been touching? He touched, he was touching K's or something like that, right? Like he was doing, uh, not, oh, God. not like Ray Pop, but like something <laughs> oh, like, Oh, Lord. 
Shouldn't I? Should I check? Should I type Carlos Baldemir into news? Uh, I, I guess I just I wanted to make really gross. I just wanted. Yes, I just wanted to make jail. jokes about an Argentine flute with you, and you took it in the opposite direction. He was in jail in 2017 over sexual abuse charges. All right, um, wasn't it somebody in his own family? Yes, his daughter. Oh my god! Wow. Anyway. All right. That's predictions. That, wow. Like this. Oh. Stop that crap! Stop it! Stop it! I mean, how do you even like continue a show after that? Like, how do you just pick up the pieces yeah. and just put the like... flute back in the box? The national anthem is over. Floyd's going to win permissible. by decision. That is not allowable. There's no doubt about it. Uh, all right. Um, prediction for you, Rafe, on how this fight ends. Uh, I prediction for how it begins. It begins with a flute national anthem. Yes. Give me that. Give me that. I need it. And then it ends. Um, God, no, every prediction here has such a high likelihood of making me or whoever predicts out to look like a total buffoon. But for sentimental, nostalgic, and some rational reasons, um, I'm going to say Pacquiao mid to late round stoppage. I think that it, it, things are going to start going against Matisse and he will fall apart like he does. That's the best case scenario for Manny's financial future. I think Manny has one more big fight in, left in him. And I don't mean big fight where it's obvious he's getting cashed out. I mean one more big fight left in him. And I think he stops Matisse late to get to that fight because he's going to have to. Because Lucas is coming, Rafe. And I don't know who that big fight is, though. I don't think it'll be Crawford because that's the the cash out. Maybe it's Broner. Maybe it's something like, maybe it's Khan. Dude, Khan washed Pacquiao? Hell yeah. I mean, I'd be lining up for that crap with Freddie as the guest referee. Come on. Of course I would. So yes, Pacquiao late stoppage. We'll see shades, flashes of the Manny of old that came out in that fourth Marquez fight that was forced to come out when Jeff Horn was getting up in that ass. So, uh, I'm excited about this. There's three fights on that undercard that have title implications. Very quickly, one word. Do you care? Jack Throw Te- that Bin Lou stuff in the bin. I don't want to hear it. Jack bin Tapura Lou, no. versus Eddie Valdo Ortega for the vacant interim WBA featherweight title. Do you I'm, or, I'm eating some Ortega taco shells. I do not care. Moritz, Mor- Marudi Methalane versus Muhammad Wasim for the vacant IBF flyweight title. Do you care? I like both of their alliterative names. Carlos Canizales versus Bin Lou for the WBA regular junior flyweight title. I hope Bin Lu gets his ass kicked because he's trying to take he's trying to take Vasil's corner. He's trying to set a record for some title in his second fight. Get it! Stop that crap, Bin Lu. You ain't no Vasily. I have a fight uh, with a, a Thailand guy. Yeah, Thailand guy. You know, if you're asking me what d- division it's going to be in. One thirty-five weight category. <laughs> to close, do you care? Saturday from Offenburg, Germany. Tyron Zugay versus Rocky Fielding for Zugay's WBA regular super middleweight title, Rafe. Right, what is going on here? Hell no. <laughs> oh man, I love boxing. I love Vasily. We need Nine. a back because Nine, I don't care. Because Vasily, like, you know Lomachenko is a quarterback, he's Brady, he's Montana, he's oh, stop it. I mean he's like he's kinda like a like a Lomachenko is the test man. He's not the machine, he's the test maker. He tests you, he tests you deep inside, not outside, not on the surface. What's inside? That's what he does. Brian, I forgot about over the weekend. I actually dreamed—I don't know why—I wow. dreamed a Linares Lomachenko rematch. 
and Linares won in a one-shot knockout. He what? Come back to pro- yeah, weird, weird, weird. And it felt real. I looked it up. I looked it up on my phone just to see, to if, see it if it real? didn't happen. Yeah, oh, it was man. not real. I don't think that's gonna happen. But it felt real. Okay. Well, all right. Hey, Rafe, that's the show this week. Special thanks to Mikey Garcia and Teofimo Lopez, my guy. Who, by the way, I think that new nickname I gave him of Mister Steal Your Girl. It's, it's gonna stick. You know, I'm, I think I need to live vicariously through Teofimo Lopez. I think he's my new guy. The takeover does not only apply to boxing. Wow. It applies oh, wow. to the bedroom. I don't think I've been this excited about a fighter since Jason Litzow. So, you know, the, to do with that information. That ended well. What you, what you feel. Follow me on the, the webs at, uh, B Campbell CBS at In This Corner CBS and at Rafe Book. Sign up for the Respect Box newsletter every Friday. I mean, you, you need show. Guys, you. You need show. You need amazing shows. Then sign up for Friday in your inbox. Get the Foley Minute and then some Rafe. I'm going to give you the floor to take us out of here. Anything you want to say to the people, to the boxing fans out there, to the people that love this show. Those two words. We out.